Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. I want to remind you that we're in a series on answered prayer because it's possible. And so Jesus said it was. Amen? And so if he said it was, guess what? It is. And so this morning, we just, we've kind of been going through different things. I want you to go to Romans chapter 1. And we've been talking about different things about, uh, you know, things that will uh, help us see answered prayer. And so, you know, we talked about different things. You can go back and get the, the CDs or go back to the, go to the website, listen to it, or go to the podcast. Or you can go back to Facebook. There's many ways you can go back and you can get these messages again. But, you know, it's... Uh, I don't know about you. I don't, I don't want to just pray. I want answered prayer. Right. You know, if I'm going to pray, might as well have some results. And so there are certain things, you know, that, that, they, that will help us. And so this, you know, I've, I've you know, answered prayer one, two, three. This is answered prayer four. We're going to do five. We'll finish up next week. At least that's the plan. But uh, if not, then we'll, we'll get finished up whenever. But uh, I, this morning, I want to talk about how Thanksgiving and prayer go together. You know, and I want you to find Romans chapter chapter one, and I want to begin reading here, Romans chapter one, verse twenty. Got it? Got it. All right, Romans one twenty. The Bible says, "For the invisible things of Him, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse." So that, you know, the, the whole world is without excuse because God has given us enough intelligence just to look around and say, there must be a God. Amen. We have that much intelligence. God, actually, God has put his, the knowledge of God inside every man. Verse 19, Romans chapter 1 says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Now, what does that mean? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's God has put in every person the, the knowledge that there is a God. And Paul said, if they will seek after him, they will find him. If they'll just seek after him, they'll find him. And then Paul here is simply saying... You can look around, you know, and just see creation, see the earth, uh, the human body. Amen. And know that God exists. How many know that? I mean, come on, man. I mean, it takes, it takes, uh, I started to say more faith. But actually, I guess you, you, to me, you got to be pretty, um, I'm trying to use a, a nice word. Can anybody help me? <laughs> you got to be you got you got to be pretty dumb to believe that you know that we just evolved from you know uh, what do they call them, a wally pug or whatever they call it, wiggly poo, whatever, follywog, pollywog, wally pug. You got to be pretty dumb to believe that, you know, because uh, if if we're how come there's nobody evolving today? You know, uh, you know, listen, uh, God in the beginning created it. Amen. 
And, and Paul is simply saying, he's saying, uh, just the invisible things of God, of God are, are, are from creation of the world. They're clearly seen. Even though you can't see God, you can clearly see there's a God because this thing was intelligently designed. You know, back in the 80s, I heard stories during the former Soviet Union, you know, when under communism and, you know, Christianity was basically outlawed. They were atheists, you know. And uh, I heard this story about it in a school in Russia about a young girl that in science class made a model of the universe and set it on, and she was a Christian girl, and set it on her teacher's desk, her atheist teacher's desk, and set it on his desk, and he came in and he saw it. And he asked the class who made this, and nobody responded. And he kept, now I want to know who made this, and nobody responded. And finally he said, look, he said, this didn't just happen. Somebody made this. And then that little girl stood up and said, that's what I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> this didn't just happen. Somebody made this. Well, how many you know somebody made this, right? All that we see, somebody made that. His name's God, Jehovah. Amen. Somebody made it. And now, Paul went on to say, in verse 21, he says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. God didn't say they were wise. They professed themselves to be wise. And, you know, there's some of these intellectuals that just think they're so far ahead of us, you know, uh, Christians, us stupid, uninformed, unintelligent, weak Christians. And uh, they profess themselves to be wise, but God said, you're fools. Because here's the thing, see, um, the Scriptures make you wise, and the Scriptures make you wise unto salvation. Amen. And so that's the, that's the wisest, that's the most wisdom you could ever get is to know you need a Savior. Amen. But, but I wanted to back up here. That's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about verse 21. Paul is talking about the downfall of a society, and he said one of the things that is a sign that a society is going down is they're not thankful. They're not thankful. Now, I can't help but notice how unthankful some people have gotten in America. And we don't want this to get into the church, see? Because what's out in the world will get into the church if you, if you don't watch it. And we don't want that unthankful spirit getting inside of us. And there's so many that are unthankful, they have had their minds poisoned by teaching that we have it so bad here in America and we're so oppressed and capitalism is so bad and they believe that and they're living in an affluent neighborhood with wealthy parents. They bought them a BMW to drive to school. And you talk about unthankful. Come on. Because here's the thing. Listen, I don't care what position you find yourself in today. You, there's always somebody worse off than you are. 
And a lot of these kids, I would do them, it would do them a great service if we could take them on the mission field and let them see how blessed we have it. We were sitting in SMTI, our Bible school the other night, and we were watching Dr. Barclay on video. And I was just talking to someone in the class. That we, were, we were actually doing a lesson uh, on the remnant church. And I told him, I said, I've already taught this lesson. I haven't had this lesson in Bible school, but I've already taught it because I taught it when I went to Uganda as part of the SMTI classes over there. I hadn't even had SMTI yet. As a matter of fact, when they asked me to come and teach at SMTI in Uganda, the first thing I said was, I've never, I haven't even been through SMTI. I said, I'm the wrong guy. And so they said, well, we'll get back with you because we'd like for you to come and teach. And so the gentleman who was, who was a part of that, he called me back. He said, well, I talked to Dr. Barclay. You know, he kind of has something to do with SMTI, has a little say over it. And he said, you, you're, he said, you're qualified. I said, well, just so you know what you're getting. And uh, if the owner, if the uh, founder of the school says I can teach on the remnant church and I've never had the class on the remnant church, then give me the notes. We'll teach on the remnant church. Besides, I doubt there's very much in that school. And I didn't mean this arrogantly. But I said, I doubt there's not very, I doubt there's very much we're going to teach I haven't already taught before. I've been doing this a long time. But what I was going after was this. I said, now over there, they don't watch Dr. Barclay on the videos. We're the videos. Live people. Because they don't have electricity. They can't watch the video Bible school because there's no electricity. We have to be Dr. Barclay over there. We fail miserably, but we have to try. Amen. And we try to teach it like he, you know, he would want it taught, you know, and so forth. But what I, my point is, is one of the things that Paul said would destroy a society is if we become unthankful. We become unthankful. I work real hard at that, that I'm not unthankful. I think about my blessings all, every day. I thank God for them every day. I, I'm thankful over food. I'm thankful over other things. Don't misunderstand me. But food's up there pretty high because, you know, without food, air, and water, you're in trouble. But I thank God for the blessings. I, 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 I realize that, you know, we have, in America, we have had prosperity for so long. And we don't just realize just how quickly it can all fade away. I remember during COVID when it first hit, you know, back in, what was it, 2000? Or 2020, I mean, 2020. Um, and walking into Walmart, which is not a place I like to go. I do occasionally, but I like to do, I like to do the grocery shopping in the grocery store. And... Um, because it's just a little easier, a little bit more laid back. And so I walk in there, and I'm looking at all these shelves empty. And I'm thinking, people don't realize just how quickly all this can go away. It can be gone in a couple of weeks, all of it. You're putting fear in me. Well, that's not, my, that's not my purpose. My purpose is to say, let's be thankful for what we have, because there's something about Thanksgiving keeps that supply going. 
Hallelujah. There's something about Thanksgiving just keeps the supply coming. Amen. And so I'm thankful. Praise God. You know, and listen, you know, one of the things that I said years ago, and I still say it, you know, what a thankful heart isn't a heart that's always focusing on what it doesn't have. If you focus on what you don't have, you're not going to have a thankful heart. You have to focus on what you do have. Amen. You know, uh, I see this as a pastor in churches. You get people that come in and they're just so thankful. They're getting the word and worshiping God and they're just so thankful. And then they suddenly discover that we're not perfect. I can tell you when we lost our perfection, the moment you walk through that door. That went over big. The moment I walked through that door, we lost our perfection because there's only one that's perfect, and that's Jesus. And as long as he's here, we're all right. The perfect one's here. Now, what should we do? Let's focus on him, not on each other and our perfections. And, you, know, I just, you know, I just wish Pastor would preach a little longer. I don't hear that comment too much, but occasionally I've heard it. After I get up off the floor, I thank them. <laughs> I wish they wouldn't talk so much about money. I wish I would. Why don't you focus on the good things? Right? Surely you can find uh, one thing you like. That's what God says to do. I remember Brother Eddie at the Revival Center, and he would get up. He was the senior pastor, and he'd get up, and he'd tell people, he said, visitors and stuff that just joined the church, he said, we'll treat you so many ways, you're bound to like one of them. Just pick the one you like. Amen. Well, what are we saying? Well, we're simply saying that when we lose our thankfulness, you know what I'm saying? You know, when you, when you lose your thankfulness in your marriage, you're headed for trouble. Because whatever you're not thankful for will exit your life. It'll start to leave. And so when you're not thankful, you know what I'm saying? I know your spouse isn't perfect. Nobody marries the perfect spouse. And... Um, you know, maybe you got pretty close, you feel like, but still, even, even at that, there's going to be times where you're going to find out there are some imperfections in them. Well, you know, it's real easy just to focus on that. Amen. When my wife married me, I look different than I do today. I wasn't near as good looking back when I was 26. You know, I had hair, muscles, and slim. Now, now I look a lot better, you know. One guy in my church, one time, he, bless his heart, he was trying to make me feel good. He said, you know, he said, I think people look funny with hair. I said, I agree. <laughs> Praise God. I agree, brother. Now, he had hair and had plenty of it, but he told me he, th- he thought people looked funny with hair. Amen. Don't you love people like that to just encourage you? They'll find a way to encourage you. You know what I'm saying? Well, what, what are we talking about? Well, see... Paul said this. He said that in the last days, he said perilous times would come. And he said one of the things that would happen was people would be unthankful. They'd be unthankful. And we are seeing that today in America and maybe other countries. I don't live there, but I know specifically in our country, we see that. Where we have people that make millions and millions of dollars a year and are complaining about their circumstances in life. And it's really hard for me to feel sorry for you. Really, really hard. Matter of fact, I don't. You, you know, maybe I feel sorry for your stupidity, 
But you, you got a bird's nest on the ground and you're complaining. All right, let's move on. Praise God. Let's, let's go to Philippians. Is that a good introduction? Go to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to talk about thanksgiving and prayer and how they go together. The Bible teaches us they go together. Philippians chapter 4. So we can't forget about our being thankful. Amen. And how many know you express thanks with your mouth? Right? But you also express thanks by the way you live and your attitude. Amen? So God sees your mouth. Yes, He wants you to... To thank Him. He wants that to come out of your mouth, but He also wants you to live with a good attitude. Amen. Now, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says, King James, be careful for nothing or don't worry about anything, but in everything. How many things? Everything. How many things is everything? everything? Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Well, did you know Paul here specifically mentions thanksgiving when he talks about prayer. He said, oh, you know, prayer and supplication, everybody look at that, with thanksgiving. Everybody say, with thanksgiving. Now, I have a saying that I say, and I, I like this. Thanksgiving, it's the track that the train of faith runs on. You know, every train has to have a track, right? And faith has to have a track to run on, and it's called thanksgiving. Paul said, with thanksgiving. What does that mean? Well, you know, and I've said this before, maybe you've heard it over and over again, but thanksgiving is really a statement of faith because you don't thank somebody for something unless you believe they've done something for you. You, you would want to know if I just came up to you this morning, if I walked up to Jill this morning and said, hey, Jill, thanks. She'd be going, what for? What did I do? See, you've got to have a reason for thanking somebody. See? And when we pray, thanksgiving is part, part of the equation of our prayer life where we're thanking God. You all remember, when, when this is a story we talk about quite a bit over the years, you all remember the, the ten lepers, right? And they came to Jesus, said, Master, have mercy on us. And, and he said, go show yourself to the priest. As they went, they were healed. So they just, they just took off to walk, go to the priest. They weren't healed yet, but as they walked, we don't know how far they went, mile, two miles, three miles, four miles, who knows how far they went. But however far they went, they walked so far, and they got so far, and bam, they were healed. And one of them came back, which was a Samaritan. He wasn't, a, he wasn't a, a, an Israelite. He came back. He gave thanks to Jesus, and Jesus said to him, Where are the nine? Did y'all hear that? Where are the nine? What does that tell you? He expected all ten of them to come back. He says, where's the other nine? He said, there's not one that came back to give me thanks but this stranger, this foreigner. And he said to him now. See, the Bible says, as they went, as those ten went, they were healed. That word healed. Now, you know, sometimes you see the word healed in the Bible. It's a Greek word, sozo which means salvation, prosperity, whole package. Okay? But when it says they were healed, it's not the word sozo. It's another Greek word that just means they physically got better. But when the one came back and he gave thanks, Jesus didn't tell him, you're healed. He said, he said your faith has made you whole. 
And that is the Greek word sozo, full package. Full package. He said they left. Listen, you have to read this in the Greek. You you, you can see this. Uh, I don't mean actually read the Greek because I can't read the Greek, but I looked the words up. And so you look the words up. I looked it up last night. I thought, I wonder what healed means, because I know a lot of times healed is sozo. And I looked at this word healed. It wasn't sozo. It was a word just meant they physically got better. But the one that gave thanks, he got everything. Amen. And I, his, his thanksgiving took his faith to another level. It caused his faith to go to another level because he was thankful. Hallelujah. You know, you should always, and this isn't, this isn't like just positive thinking. This is, this is, this is what the Bible teaches. We, we, we should always find something to be thankful about. Always something to be thankful about. I mean, maybe you go to a restaurant and they do spill the food on you. Thank God there's food to be spilled. And especially when they give you the... Yeah, yeah you can spill food on me today for 250 bucks. <laughs> I'll have an issue. Just get it close to my mouth and we'll be good, all right? <laughs> How many understand there's always something to be thankful for, right? There's, and and when, you, when, you, when, you think, when you think about it, if you, this is how the devil gets you depressed and beat down, is he gets you to thinking about the bad things, the things that aren't going well. But, you know, and I've always said this, and I always will say this. I've said this for years. If God doesn't do anything else for me the rest of my life, i got enough to thank Him for all the way to heaven just by saving me. There's times I will. There's times I'll just think about, oh, thank you, Jesus, I didn't die and go to hell. I had this friend died one time, me and a friend, and I don't mean to bring up negative stuff, but just to show you the grace of God. One time a friend and I, we did some drugs, and he died. Evidently they were bad, and I lived. Now, you know, I'm not saying God plays favorites, but I'm just simply saying I don't understand all that. I know I, know I had people praying for me, interceding for me. I do know that, but I, just, I, look, I still look back on that incident and think about, you know, my friend... He died. He got sick. He was sick for a few days and then just died. And I lived on. And I always say, thank you, Jesus. I didn't die and go to hell. Hallelujah. I didn't die and go to hell. Hallelujah. I think about, you know, some of the friends that died in car accidents or in different ways. And we all have these testimonies and stories, right? Every one of us do. And thank God we live. We're alive. Praise God. Amen. So we can always look and see the, the positive in our life if we'll just look for it. It's there. Yeah. Or you can, you, can, you can concentrate on the negative. You can concentrate on what's, what, what isn't going right. You know, well, you know, I mean, hey, wash machine quit, dryer quit, and all that. Well, thank God. Thank God you got clothes. Amen. Amen. And, you know, you want to say, there's just something about Thanksgiving. It releases you to another level of faith. Amen. Look with me at Colossians. We're in Philippians. So the next book over is Colossians chapter 4. Go there. Come on, are you getting something this morning? I just want to talk about this just for a little while here, about how Thanksgiving and prayer go together, and we can't leave Thanksgiving out. We, you know, we can't just, you know, because it's real easy. It is. It's real easy to get negative today. Because there are so many more negative things. You got to work at it. 
You got to work at being thankful. Amen. And so part of our prayer life shouldn't just be all asking. It ought to be some thanksgiving in there. Amen. Now, in, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, the Bible says, <clears throat> Continue in prayer. Verse, uh, Colossians 4, 2. Content, King James says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Now, the King James uses the term watch in the same with thanksgiving. That word watch just means to be awake or to keep awake or to be vigilant. Some translations say be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Or uh, watch the word watch, when you see it in the King James, it means to keep awake. So keep awake. So what is Paul saying? He's saying continue praying and keep awake in prayer by thanksgiving. Keep your prayers awake with thanksgiving. In other words, thanksgiving does something. It's an element to your prayers that keeps them alive and working. You know, <laughs> anybody ever baked something? You have to put all the ingredients in for it to turn out right. I think Phyllis was making something the other day. Didn't you say you were going to do put something different in, but you decided not to. You didn't have milk, so you were going to try water. Yeah, I don't remember what it was, but you remember you, I remember you, and you said, I decided not to do that. Well, thank God she decided not to do that, because I had to eat it. Amen. <laughs> and I told you the time, you know, I didn't have milk, and I read, and I don't know where I read it at, but it's, it was bad. It was fake news. And uh, I read you could, use, you know, in a recipe, if you didn't have milk, you could substitute orange juice. Instead of the milk, and I thought, hey, I don't have milk, and I was making cornbread. And so I thought, well, I'll, hey, I'll try that. So I had orange juice, so I put it in there. So instead of the milk and cornmeal, it was orange juice and cornmeal. Uh, don't do it. You won't like it. It's just orange bread is all it is. It's just not, it's nasty. But anyway. You have to have the right. You have to have the right ingredients, and prayer has ingredients to it. One of the ingredients is thanksgiving. Well, we just thank, thank you, Lord, thank you. And and so let's say you've prayed something. Let's say you prayed and asked God for something last week. Well, you don't want that prayer just to die out, right? You know, in your heart. I'm talking about in your heart, in your mind, in your faith. You don't want your faith to quit on it, right? How many, how many would, you know, without raising your hand, how many would just admit you've prayed for something and, 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 and you forgot about it, you know? And, uh, and, you, and, you, and you, you didn't keep your faith active for it. Well, one way you keep your faith active is just start thanking God for it. Father, I thank you. You remember what I prayed about back on Monday? I thank you, Father God, that that's, that that's coming to pass in my life. Praise God. I thank you for it. Praise God. It's mine. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for it, Lord. Just give me thanks ahead of time before I see it. Just want you to know, I believe it's happening. I believe you're working on it. I believe it's coming to pass. That's part of thanksgiving and prayer. It, and it keeps your prayer alive. It keeps your prayer active. And it, it, it's really one of the ingredients that we got to have in our prayer life. Amen. So thanksgiving keeps that request before God. Remember, uh, the, the Abraham is a real good example of that. You know, God told Abraham that he was going to have a son, and it was 25 years before it came to pass. Did you know that? From the time God told Abraham he was going to have a son, that meant through Sarah, not through uh, Hagar, but through Sarah, 
from the time he spoke it to the time it came to pass was 25 years. And you will find in Romans, the Bible says that Abraham believed God. He staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith and gave glory to God. He was giving glory to God the whole time. Hallelujah. And it came to pass. Amen. Now, all right, we're, we're, let's go to the next book. All right, we have Philippians, Colossians. Let's go to Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5, <laughs> verse uh, 17. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Don't let the fire of your prayer life go out. In everything by prayer, in everything, excuse me, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now notice, uh, he connects, you know, pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Notice, he, 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 he right here connects this prayer and thanksgiving together. And notice he says, in everything, in everything, give thanks. Now, he didn't say for everything, but he said in everything, in everything. We don't thank God for, for everything because he didn't cause everything. But in the midst of it, we're to give him thanks. Amen. How many could say, I need a little help? Yeah. Driving home. I remember one time we were driving home after a meeting. It was a late nighter, you know. Uh, it, me and another brother were in a, in a truck, and we were driving along, you know. And it's about midnight, you know. And uh, Phyllis and another lady, they're coming from the meeting, too. It was a meeting that we had. And so they're in a vehicle together, ways behind us, and we're coming home, you know, and we're driving home. And all of a sudden, I'm driving this truck, and it's a borrowed truck, you know, because we had to haul some stuff to the meeting, you know. And so it was a meeting that we were having, that we were putting on. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, <clears throat> the truck starts making funny. It starts cutting out. And the guy says, what's wrong with this truck? I said, we're out of gas. Because <clears throat> the guy that loaned me the truck said the gas gauge doesn't work right. Well, I found out he was right. It doesn't work right. <clears throat> it wasn't working right. So here we are, midnight. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I mean, we all have things like that happen in our life, don't we? That's <laughs> all so you won't confess it, but you do. God or no God, you still have life. Life still happens. <laughs> it's God that helps us in the midst of life. You know, <clears throat> and so, and you know, God will help you if you just keep a right attitude, you know. Thank, thank God, Phyllis and this lady were coming by. They were going to drive by us. So let's just keep on going. <clears throat> but they stopped, thank God. But I remember one time, I was coming back from a meeting, me and another brother, and we were coming back, and we had, we were in Arkansas, and it was Labor Day weekend, and uh, everybody's out on the lake, you know what I'm saying? They're out doing their thing. I, it really, honestly, it's, it's surprising, but it's Labor Day weekend, it's Sunday, Sunday afternoon, and the, and the interstate is like, deserted, man. I mean, it's just like hardly nobody there at all. You don't see hardly anybody. And of course, we're in a pretty lonely part of Arkansas, you know, and all of a sudden, man, this guy's car, you know, he's driving. We had a meeting that we were at in Fort Worth and he's driving, driving me back home. And so all of a sudden we, uh, 
the car starts having some issues, you know, and the water pump goes out of it. And we have to pull over. And I remember, you know, uh, us pulling over, lifting up the hood. And it was obviously this is not fixable by us. It didn't like put the fan belt back on, kick it in the rear end, let's go. It, it's it's got to have a mechanic. It's got to have parts, you know. And this guy got so dejected, man. He went over and sat on the bank, you know, and put his his head down in his hands. And he was so dejected because you could look. I mean, there's no cars going by, man. They're not coming. And, you know, a lot of times people won't stop anyway. And so he goes, what are we going to do? I said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to send the angels out. And they're going to get us out of this mess. He said, well, that's crazy. Well, you wait till I get done. You just see how crazy it is. You could stay on the side of the road with your head in your hands, but I'm going, I'm going home. And I got home that day, too. And so I said, we're going to dispatch angels to go out and help us. And so I just dispatch angels. You're going, you're going to go out and help us. I, God is my witness. It was less than five minutes. A guy in a tow truck comes by and stops a tow truck. He says, what's going on? Well, we got trouble. He, he, he says, well, I'll hook you up and take you into the next town. All right. That beats walking. Amen. And he goes, he says, I know a guy that owns a gas station in this town. He's not open. He says, but I'll call him. So he calls him. And the guy says, well, I don't have any parts, but I know the guy that owns the parts store, so I'll call him. Before the afternoon was over, I was on my way back to Indiana, folks. Now, you know what? You, know, you can get depressed. You can complain. You can murmur. But when you murmur, you're going to stay right where you're at. The children of Israel, man, God had great things for them. But listen, they murmured and they complained and they remained. Listen, the Bible says this scripture, what I wanted to say to you about this scripture, it says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in, in what? In what? Look at your verse there. In what? In Christ Jesus. What's Christ Jesus got to do with it? Christ Jesus, the anointed Savior, that's your redemption. So what he's saying is Thanksgiving puts you in the perfect plan of redemption for your life. It puts, it's the will of God in Christ Jesus, in the redemptive plan. So when, you, when that happens, you know what? See, Israel got themselves out of the redemptive plan by their murmuring and the complaining because things, things weren't, you know, everything wasn't nice and easy. Come on, think about it. They had, they had such blessing. There's, there's hardly, I don't know that there's anybody on the planet that God did more for than what he did for the Israelites to bring them out of Egypt. I'm talking about naturally, in the natural realm. I mean, he meet all the plagues, the, the parting of the Red Sea, the manna from heaven, the quail. Come on, the fire by night, the cloud by day, the glory of God, all that God showed them, and then they complain. They complain. And they didn't get in. God said, as you spoke in my ears, that's what's going to happen to you. What if they had just said, you know, thank God. God's, I know we got some problems, but God's taking care of us. How many of Joshua and Caleb had the same problems? But they chose to stay in faith about it. They chose to be thankful to God for his redemptive plan. See, th Thanksgiving puts you in the plan of God. 
I remember one time, I've told you this story before, but man, it was a good story. It taught me a lot. I was years and years ago, I'm talking about the early 1980s, I was seeking God over direction from the ministry and for things, you know, uh, that He was calling me to do. And I was seeking God over that, praying about that. And I'd go into the, the local store there, the grocery store in the town where we lived at in Petersburg, you know, the J.C. store. I went into the J.C. store, and there's a lady in front of me, and she's got about three kids, and they're going everywhere. And she's, I'm just wanting to get my whatever it was I was getting checked, get checked out. She's in front of me, and, you know, she's got three kids and trying to corral them all. You know, it didn't dawn on me to ask if she needed some help. All I did was complain. And I remember the Lord spoke to me. Listen, it, it really taught me something. I'm still learning from it today. The Lord spoke to me. He said, you've been asking me for my specific will, my, my, my will in your life, haven't you? I said, yes, I have, sir. He said, till you do my general will, what's revealed, why would I give you any more? I thought, oh, shut my big mouth. Hey, let's try that. Everybody say that. Shut my big mouth. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just got to shut your big mouth. You about to get yourself another trip around the mountain. Amen. God said, go around again till you get it. As parents, aren't you more likely to do things for the kids when they're thankful than when they're just complaining all the time? Amen. So, so what are we talking about? Well, listen now. See, Thanksgiving actually puts you in the perfect will of God, the redemptive plan of God. Paul and Silas, you know, go, let's, let's close out. Let's go to 1 Peter. Go there and we'll close with this. For Paul and Silas, you know, they found themselves in jail. Acts chapter 16. Backs beaten, you know, feet in stocks, put in jail. All they did was preach the gospel, get people delivered, get people help. And they threw him in jail for it. Well, it would have been a great time for them to complain. But instead, the Bible says they, they sang, they prayed, they prayed and sang praises to God. Now listen now, and it says, the King James says, the prisoners heard them. So they weren't being like real quiet about it, right? They weren't like... Paul wasn't like, Silas, you got a praise in your heart? <laughs> yeah, I got one in my heart. How about you, Paul? No, they didn't have a praise in their heart. They had a praise in their lips. Yeah. Right? And so it came. And the, now listen now. Here's the thing. It said the, where, the, where the King James says the prisoners heard them. That word heard also means they were listening to them. They were listening to them. So they're listening to these guys sing. They're listening to these guys pray. They're hearing them. And you know what the Bible says? Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. Amen. And the foundations were shaken. Amen. All the doors were opened. And everybody's bonds were loosed. Anybody got some foundations need shake it? Anybody got some doors need open? Anybody got some bands need loosed? Paul and Silas prayed. And now, not, not, now listen now. <laughs> listen now. It, it says everybody's bands were loosed. 
all the prisoners. All of them. And did you know these people knew why it happened? Because the keeper of the prison came in to Paul and Silas, or he was actually going to kill himself because you know, if he didn't do it, the Roman government would because he lost the prisoners. That was, I don't know who would want to be a prison guard in those days. It, it had to pay really well. Because if you lost the prisoners, you, you died for it. Your life for them getting out. So he was going to kill himself. And Paul, Paul said, do yourself no harm. We're all here. We, none of us have left. And he, listen, he'd heard them sing. He'd heard them praise. He saw what God did. And the first thing he says, what must I do to be saved? My Lord, my God. A God like this, that you can thank him and pray to him and he'll shake the whole place. What can I do to be saved? And he was saved and his whole house. And I've got a feeling everybody in that prison got saved that night. And they, and they're, 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 see, we just read, we just read just a few moments ago out of the book of Philippians. That's where Paul was at in prison. A church came out of that. History tells us that the pastor of the church of Philippi was the guard that got saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You just never know. Glory to God. I remember, and I've told you this story, but I tell them again because you got to understand God can rescue anybody. I remember back, way back, 1982, we were having church and this guy came in. And the reason I thought of this is because somebody I think just talked talk to me about him. I think he just went, went to heaven a little bit, a few, some, some weeks ago or something. This guy came into church and he'd been drinking and he, he, he hadn't just been drinking. He, he was Otis times two. You don't know who Otis is. He's, he was a town drunk. And he came in and he was, he was drunk. And he, he didn't really cause a disturbance, but he'd ask them of us, like, because we sang. We were, in those days, we, we, weren't, we, we were just, we were singing out of the hymnals, blue hymnals. And then we were singing these praise choruses that the church is just coming up with. They were just like one or two, three line choruses that we would sing, you know. Um, the, you know, this di di different short choruses. So we kind of were like doing both. We hadn't, m you know, made the transition just to the choruses and all. But this guy, he knew some of those old songs. And he'd ask, uh, would you sing uh, this song? Because when you do the hymnal, you'd get up and, you know, anybody ever been in a congregational singing? Come on, you know, you open, everybody open your hymnals to page 364. We're going to sing the first, the second, and the fourth. All right, you know. Come on, anybody remember that? Now, we had instruments. You know, we wasn't just a, a keyboard, but we still did it that way, you know. And as I travel through this pilgrim land, there is a friend who walks with me. And we'd do that, you know. Well, when you get, and, and you stop, you'd have to stop, you see, because you'd have to tell people, go to 
go to page, you know, 274. And, uh, and I'm not making fun of it. It was anointed. And, uh, but I'm just saying this is what we did, you know. And when we'd stop, he'd ask, could we sing uh, in a he'd name song? And so suddenly, yeah, sure, we'll do that. We did that, you know. And then if worship service is over, Brother Eddie got up, take up the offering. And uh, this guy walks the center. This one I thought was going to have a problem. I thought we were going to have an issue here. Because this guy was not only the town drunk, but he was one of the meanest guys in the whole town. Nobody messed with him. You follow what I'm saying? See, amen. There were, there were people that even police didn't mess with. I remember picking up a drunk one time, and the police pulled us over, and he saw him in there. He said, I'm not messing with him. He was going to give us a speeding ticket and decide just let us go. He said, you do what you do. Get rid of him the best way you can. I'm not messing with him. This was this kind of guy. I'm not messing with him. And so he starts to walk up front, and I think, oh, we're going to have a problem here. But yet he pulls out a dollar, and he says, I had a chance to get drunk tonight. He said, I turned it down. He said, I came to church. This is my last dollar, and I'm putting it in the offering. He put it in the offering, he left. About one to two years later, he was born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. And about four years later or so, five, he was pastoring a church, maybe six years later. Matter of fact, I think you guys used to go to that church. You know who I'm talking about? All right. He became the pastor of a church. Hallelujah. And then he started an organization called The Lighthouse that helps young people get off drugs and alcohol. It's still going today. Amen. It's still going today. Amen. He started a chapter right in our town. Then there went one to Washington. And uh, I don't know where all they're at for sure. But thank God we sang the songs of Zion. Hallelujah. Thank God Paul and Silas were singing and praising. I got to close. All right. Come on. Are you, are you Peter? Let's go there. First Peter chapter 2. Look what the Bible says. It says, You also... As living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Now, what are priests to do? They're to offer, right? To offer of spiritual sacrifices, not natural ones, but spiritual ones, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Well, all right. Listen, we're to offer up sacrifices. Listen to what Hebrews says. You don't have to go there, but this is Hebrews. Uh, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. One of our sacrifices as priests we're to offer up is the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to his name. Hallelujah. We're to to offer up. See, I don't know about you, but when we come to church, listen now, I don't want God to look down here and see everybody offering up a sacrifice, all his priests offering up a sacrifice, and I'm not offering up anything. I don't want that. I want to be offering something up, something that God can use to bring blessing and favor in my life. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. You and I are now the priests of the Lord, and our job is to offer up sacrifice to the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So when we talk about prayer, 
We can't leave out Thanksgiving. It's part of it. Glory to God. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.